Are you a business owner looking for real advice and input? You're in the right place. From concept to launch to growth, funding and beyond. Welcome to Startup Hustle with your hosts. One once sold a business for $150 million. The other, the author of Million Dollar Bedroom. Here are your hosts of Startup Hustle, Matt DeCourcy and Matt Watson. And we're back. Another episode of Startup Hustle with Matt Watson and Matt DeCourcy. How are you doing today, Mr. Watson? Trying to figure out how to recover all my losses from cryptocurrencies. Oh, my God. You know, I'll tell you what, that last episode. Oh, man. There's so much You to told learn. me to buy that shit. No, you told me to buy it. <laughs> I'm just waiting for the old computers that you hooked up after last episode to finish mining enough coin to actually uh, recoup the losses. By, by the way, they said we'll make $5 a month. That's a lot more than I was making prior to this episode on crypto. So, you know, as a startup founder, that could be a raise. Yeah. Yeah. That would actually be positive revenue and income. So, all things that many startup founders aren't used to having. So, why don't we talk to somebody who knows how to make money doing this? I think that'd be a great idea. <laughs> you want to go ahead and introduce no, our guests? No. All right. I'll do it then. With us today, we've got Brett Blackman, the CEO of Health Splash, and someone who's probably going to blow your mind with a lot of stuff that we're hoping you have a better understanding after you listen to this episode. How you doing, Brett? Good. I'm doing good. Why don't you tell us a little bit more about Health Splash? Uh, Health Splash is a open platform. It's a data technology system that we are building in conjunction with blockchain, um, allowing um, you know, the ability for you to own and control your own data, to deliver it to who you want, when you want, how you want. But then it doesn't stop there. It's the ability to actually monitor and manage your data to um, there's technology out there right now that is going to allow you to go from a reactive healthcare system, which is, you know, what we are in now. You're sick, you go to the doctor, right? Um but in the future, the way that it will work is when you're sick, your body actually starts emitting biometric changes. And it will actually know when you have an infection or when your oxygen levels are low or when your blood glucose starts dropping, and it will send an alert to you. And it will compare it to your past medical history and your past medical records and your past biometrics. And if it's bad enough, it may even alert a doctor to immediately contact you or maybe a hospital or emergency room. So this is something within my body in the future, like a nanotechnology type thing or More something like, like a wearable? It's absolutely. Okay. It's where the wearables are going. Okay. And, uh, you know, I was at CES show last week and I was talking to a, if you break it down super simple, I was talking to a, a company, I don't want to say their name because they're a huge company that sounds like they're in a complete restructuring and completely lost on where to go. And I said, I said, so, uh, you, you know, are you guys a hardware company or a software company? And they go, we're both. I go, uh-oh, that's a bad word. When, when <laughs> I'm like, so which? So you're obviously okay or good at both. Which one are you great at? Like, which? what would you? They're like hardware. And I said, but you're in software because you have to be. Absolutely. I said, okay. Now, I got a question for you. Uh, and this was one of their execs. I'm like, so I got a question for you. What, when, when your patient is wearing whatever wearable it is. Maybe it's a sleep apnea device and it looks like a watch. It's monitoring your sleep apnea. I said, you force the doctor to have a software program to have access to that data, right? And they go, yeah. I said, okay. And you have, uh, the patient has access to that data through a mobile app more than likely. Is that accurate? And he's like, yeah. I said, okay. Now what happens if that patient needs, you know, monitoring of their oxygen levels? Do you guys monitor that? Well, we don't have a device that does that. Okay, so they need to get a different company with a different wearable to monitor oxygen, which probably has a different company 
with a different software for the doctor to have. Uh-huh. I said, what about like blood glucose? I know there's a wearable down, down there that has monitored blood glucose because maybe they're diabetic too. Do you do that? No. So they need a third company to have another wearable, another mobile app with another set of software that the doctor is going to use. So now the doctor has three different sets of software that are supposed to interact with their EMR system, but there's like 1,200 EMR systems out there to consolidate that data and give the doctor the full picture. And he's like, that doesn't sound like a very good idea, does it? I'm like, <laughs> I don't know about long term, but there's about 55,000 new wearable guys out there all creating hardware and software, and nobody's interacting with each other. So, And at the end of the day, all I want, I said, and you're selling that data. He's like, yeah. And I said, did you know you're selling free data? He's like, no, we own the data. That's our hardware. Not in the United States. It's the patient's data. So if that patient requests that data from you, you have 48 hours to give it to them because it's part of their medical records because you defined yourself as medical. So you have 48 hours to give it to them. So if the patient demands that data, they can deliver it to the same doctor that you're delivering it to and charging, right? So that that's what Health Splash is going to do is, is help deliver data this information across multiple types of hardware and software in a distributed ledger that theoretically that, that could you be access. Okay, that, that you own. That the person owns, okay. that they own. You own your own information. So now you can take your information and deliver it to who you want, when you want. And then it's, on top of that, we have a lot of AI technology that you would be able to use and, and, and that would monitor your health. And we have the ability, there's a technology out there that actually says, okay, two months from now, you will have a heart attack. Your biometrics change two months before you have a heart attack. So the value in collecting your data and having an overall health report is absolutely where the healthcare industry is going to go long term. Um, and the only way to do that is to move it from these silo data centers that all of these EMR EHR systems have to a centralized usage. What's EHR? Um, electronic health records. Okay. So uh, Cerner and stuff like that. Okay. Um, so it's going to go away from a centralized silo of data to a personal data. Um, because then when you actually go to the doctor, I'll give you another use case. One of our engineers, top engineers, one of the smartest guys I know, um, his wife, uh, I was talking about this today, his wife um, has cancer. And uh, she has uh, she had some bone cancer in in her leg, and then, so they took out this part of her bone and put another uh, put a literally put like a fake partial leg and hip into her uh, metal hip into her into her leg. Six years later, the, uh, the what that metal hip was attached to deteriorated, and and it literally twisted that that metal in her leg to where they couldn't even tell what it originally looked like. Okay. She immediately, I mean, could you imagine the pain that she was in when she fell in the garden and they rushed her to the hospital and they went to KU med center because that's where the, the physician was that had done the original surgery. They got there and they go, well, because I was actually at menorah before, um, that data, your data records are a menorah. It will take us two to three days to get that information okay. to KU med. And and the guy's like, and then on top of that, it'll take us another couple of days to actually rebuild it. So she's going to have to be in the hospital for like five, six days in a contraction with this contort. I mean, just leg just totally messed up. They couldn't even see what, it, I mean, it was so bad. He said that they had to get, his wife made him get rid of the picture of the x-ray on how bad it looked. And he, and he goes, well, wait a minute here. I got a picture of the x-ray of what the original one looked like on my phone. Will that help? And they immediately took him in the back room, in the consultation room with all these doctors. And they're like blowing up his phone on exactly what the original 
you know, uh, a hip looked like that they had made. And then they built a new one 24 hours later and stuck it in their leg 48 hours later. So all because he had taken a picture of that x-ray before. And what was really, really sad is when he took that picture, they told him he had to delete it, that he couldn't take it with him which is absolutely I ran, ran into that when my dad was in the hospital and you know they took an x-ray of his lungs and i was sitting there taking a picture with my smartphone and the doctor's like you can't do that you can't he didn't have. stop me but absolutely like, you're not supposed to do that you so, are absolutely yeah. legal legally allowed to hmm. own your own records so your guys's goal is to provide a centralized mechanism to store all this sort of data centralized usage so dlt networks is a decentralized system um, we want to make it to where it's decentralized and nobody can own the data except for the person who owns their own data. So right it, now, do hospitals and medical service providers that collect this information about me when I go to the doctor, do they sell that to well, other people or is that they just can't sell it? Well, well, that's a good question. They do sell it back to you. They force you to pay an administration fee to pull down their records when you want your own medical well, records. Sure, right. um, but uh, uh, they can't sell it, but they but they are very careful on how they give it because of HIPAA compliance and all the sure. other stuff that goes on with it. But when it's your information, all of the HIPAA compliance goes away. So, so how long have you guys been doing this now? Well, we started this project. We started the, in the healthcare space. I did uh, in 2012. And then um, in the medical device space, when I found out that it was completely messed up, that's when we started getting into this space just to solve workflow compliance. Um, and then uh, I, I came up with the theory of this in 2013, kind of like a white paper almost. Um, still have the document. It's, it's pretty rudimentary. Uh, it's definitely evolved since then. Um, and, uh, but none of the technology existed back then to actually do what I was trying to do. So I kind of had to wait 2015, we rolled out with our first really high level kind of MVP. Um, and then 2016, we revamped that onto another platform at the time. It was called DMERX, Durable Medical Equipment RX. And we rolled out the Health Splash brand on their platform as a beta test. And it just... It went nuts. We went from you know zero transactions in, in in June of 2016 to by June of 2017, you know uh, 20, 30,000 patients, 50, 60,000 transactions, four or five thousand physicians on the platform. We have hundreds. We had hundreds of dot, of uh, suppliers and pharmacies because we were giving them a solution to solve the ability to transfer, emit, and then. And, and deliver the data that they needed. So um, there are active users in this existing blockchain that you guys. So are... that this is a, so that platform was a it was a beta test. Our new open platform, which will be tied to part of the DLT network, the distributed ledger network, or uh, distributed ledger technology is what that stands for. That is rolling out at the end of February or so of this year. And you guys um, are doing some uh, tokenization and an ICO related to that. Correct. We are, absolutely, we are. Okay. So. Um, where a lot of people are familiar with ICOs and, and tokenization, um, it is a they're using it strictly as a currency. And the reason why is because it's the only thing it can actually do at the moment. Um, Ethereum's network can't actually do any real smart data transactions, smart technology transactions. Um, it can make tokens really well. Um, it can trade hold stores of value really well, but to actually execute a real smart transaction it doesn't have the ability to yet. Um, it will. Uh, Cardano's another one that will, we think. Um, uh, and what I mean by that is, is 
uh, a smart contract basically is is really simple. It's a it's a virtual contract that two parties can do to have a store value of trust, right? Without a third party intermediary. The issue is is that they can only do it if the action starts. They, there's no time play. Like you can't do reoccurring transactions on the blockchain. That technology doesn't exist yet. Um, Interesting, right? I mean, it's, it's things like that that people don't even think about. It's like, okay, how am I going to do time delayed transactions or if then then this types of transactions? You can't do that yet. It doesn't exist. It will a year from now. We think it will. Um, the community is moving so fast, and there wasn't enough money up until this until 2017 to really move and push that technology forward. 2017 saw an influx of capital, and so now you're going to see some stuff absolutely fail. But you're going to see some stuff absolutely change the way the world works. I want to back up just a second. So your your company's creating an initial coin offering, but you're using another cryptocurrency to build your coin on top of with Ethereum. Is that, or explain to us how that yeah. works. Yeah, yeah. So the, the, the best group, um, we said it a long time ago, the best group, the, the, a group that we've seen using, I don't want to say the best group, you saw Tron. Are you familiar with Tron? Yeah. yeah. Okay. So Tron came out, and, and all these. All, <laughs> he has a love hate relationship with that. We, we just, won't get we into just, it. We were fascinated when previously discussing Tron, and you know the, the trades under you know TRX and the CEO Justin Sun, and you know this is a company that at one point last week had a, a, their coin had a market cap of nine billion dollars, and they don't they have, have no they don't have no product. It's vaporware. Not, you all know, vaporware. And, and Cardano's vaporware. Well, that's the thing that's that we found Except fascinating for the current, is one, right? is you know, you have these these conceptual companies that have value that's driven by hype, or as we explained before, <laughs> FUD, but fear, unrest, and doubt, and uncertainty, and doubt, or whatever we want to call it. We're going to this conference next week, next week the Crypto Funding Summit out in L.A. at the L.A. Uh, Convention Center, and we're handing out free T-shirts that literally say, at Blockchain Community, where's the beef? Remember, I remember the whole "Where's the Beef" yeah, commercial. Yeah, I'm old enough to remember that one for sure. But, <laughs> right? And but you're yeah, like, but, I mean, all this hype, the point, right? Yeah, like, there's and that's, nothing that's of what's, actual. That's what's fascinated us because you know you're talking about Tron, and you know Tron, for all intents and purposes, is a piece of paper. Absolutely. That was recently, uh, uh, you know, disputed as possibly being partially plagiarized, plagiarized. as well. So, yep. and here's a nine and, billion dollar company. And well, like, and you have other companies, them probably included. That claim they're going to do something that probably will never happen, anyways. Like, well, I mean, like okay. they like they want to rebuild that, the whole internet. That's been our that's been our fascination. Some training, some training. Yeah. I mean, I'm interested in them building, rebuilding the, the the concept will work, but uh, deliverability deliverabilities are just. So <clears throat> I put it this way: we got laughed at. We went to a, we went to a convention. This was really interesting. We went to a convention. and We said, okay, there's going to be these things called private chains. Okay, and this was this was a long time ago. And everyone's like, no, 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 everything's going to sit on the blockchain. We're like, yeah, no, that is not actually how it's going to work. It can't, um, especially proof of work. And then you have all these tokenization companies, all these companies doing these ICOs on, on Ethereum, okay? And ERC-20 tokens, Ethereum tokens, um, there's one major issue when you launch an Ethereum token. And it's velocity, or what Vitalik comes out and says, the medium of exchange. Okay, the ability and, and the easiest way to, to to wrap your head around that. Are you guys familiar? Or ever heard of that medium exchange or velocity? No. Okay. Um, for your for your view, for your listeners, the, the best way to put this is is imagine uh, you own a laundromat, okay, and you have quarters and dollars go in. They buy the quarters, then they use the quarters right then and there. So you take turn cash to quarters, use them. 
right? They aren't, they don't actually have to bring quarters in and they're not going to carry a bag of quarters anymore. And so they're just going to buy the use of that quarter at the time that they need that quarter. Okay. Okay. Simple to use. Value of quarters works because there's a lot of quarters all over the world. Call it a hundred billion quarters, like all these ICOs are launching, even ourselves. Okay. And, I, and I'm going to tell you how this problem will be solved, but these companies aren't talking about it are out of their minds. Um, so now I have all these other quarters out there and I have all of these, every now, now put every coin machine in the world that handles quarters. Okay. And those are, uh, your, your velocity that is churning that dollar. So I can deal in my, like one laundromat can handle $3,000 worth of quarters, but it can do a hundred thousand dollars a year in, in, in GDP. If you want to put it that way, does okay. that make sense? Yep. With $3,000 worth of to- quarters. The reason it works is because none of those quarters and those machines are actually connected. That's why it works. But in the blockchain community, there's only two blocks running simultaneously. And every one of those transactions is Run recorded through in every single block. place. So, so what, there's billions of quarters changing hands every, every hour. Yeah, or whatever it is. Whatever, okay. yeah. So is the problem so like the theory, I'm going to put my dollar in and have to wait 20 minutes to get quarters? Could be. But once that's solved, what they believe is, is say a company like Coinbase, they're probably the best one right now with the ease of use of moving in and out. When you have to transact in a token, you're not going to hold that token. You're only going to buy that token at the moment you need to use it. And then it's going to immediately move from whatever you're in, fiat or BTC or ETH, to token, back to whoever owns it. BTC, ETH. They're not actually going to hold the token because the token has actually no utility value, no value. The value is in the currency, not in... What are you talking about? Tron's worth $9 billion, dude. No, Matt. Well, it's magic internet money. We've already discussed (laughs) this. It's worth whatever the hell we decide it's worth. I'm not even sure where I'm going to spend these tokens and nor if I hold them, but I'm going to Chuck E. Cheese with my kids later tonight, and I know they have tokens too. Right? Right? That's a perfect thing. But imagine this. So what happens? I know I can get a game of skee-ball with one of those tokens. So the way this works with quarters... Actually, they don't have tokens anymore. They have like actual virtual cards now. They do virtually. I know. They all went digital. Tron is worth 709 Satoshis. It's worth something. Yes. Run Satoshi run. (laughs) As we we like to say. Sorry, I didn't mean to get into this. All right. So So, so you take, so so to finish this up though, if you take the, all of the quarter machines and you're going to hook them up to two buckets that every single person in the world that goes to a quarter machine puts their dollar in, it's going to come out of one of two buckets. Well, you may only need, say it's $100 billion worth of tokens, you may only need 10 million tokens to fill those two quarter machines to actually produce enough transactional volume, velocity of money, because it's going in and out of that particular token as fast as it's coming in and going out just as fast. And you only have to control two or three blocks. So you only need 10 million or less tokens or even less sometimes, um, depending on the velocity, to control the entire market. Uh, And so all the other you know, 900 billion tokens or whatever you've got are worthless, absolutely worthless. So the, 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 and the issue is that's on proof of work and Ethereum's on proof of work because there's no hold and you burn a lot of energy. The solution is proof of stake with a treasury and the ability to actually create a hold. And you've got to create a reason to store value. And most people don't understand the U.S. dollar. The reason why we're, we spend so much is because today's dollar is worth less or it's worth more than tomorrow's dollar. It's always going down, right? It's just inflation. 
3% a year on average or whatever it is. So it creates a demand to spend money. In crypto, it's going to be the actual opposite. You want the ability to hold money because you want the value to go up, not to go down. It's the exact opposite of the way the world works. But the, but the problem with that is, you know, if I sign a contract and my rent is $1,000 a month or 1000 Tron a month or whatever it is, right? Bitcoin, Satoshi's, whatever. Yeah, it's like a dime. Yeah. Uh, well, no, it just changed. Now it's 11 cents. Where, where, are, you, uh, where, then, where are you renting? Because I want to come check this place out. But the, the <laughs> problem is, and then, you know, six months later, is it still a thousand Satoshis or whatever? Or now because of inflation or the value has went up or went down? Like, there need, it needs to be stable or, or for, for me as a currency, like, it absolutely wouldn't work very well. Absolutely. Well, well, look at and some, it will. It will. I mean, you have to look at market cap. Market cap. I mean, if you think about it, okay, Bitcoin. Bitcoin will become the, the what the USD is to the world. Okay, if you think about it, Everything. I think it already has become it. I mean, that's I mean, the well, one that's, thing. That's, I mean, that, that, that it is to the rest of the crypto community. Right, right. You have to buy Bitcoin to get into something else. Typically, it's the easiest to get in and out of. It's a stored value. The downfall is until you hit. I mean, on currency exchanges, you have trillions of dollars of US being traded on forex. Trillions every day. We're not. We we almost hit a seven hundred and eighty billion market cap. Yet we're you know currencies don't become stable until they have trillions of volume being traded on a daily basis. So until well, currencies also become stable when there's when there's a strong assurance that the marketplace that they're traded in that the users are going to be able to get good services or something out of it. And you mean like Burger King uh, accepting Bitcoin now? Do they? Yeah. Do they wait twenty minutes for the, for <laughs> yeah, the process? Well, that, and see, that's that's the thing that that I found <laughs> I know, really right? interesting because you know, if I told the people that I don't know about you, I, I I tried to move some money from one account to another last night, and it's still not there. <laughs> if I if I tried to tell the people that use Gigabook that take payments on their websites, you're going to have to wait twenty minutes, and so are your users to have their purchase so verified, and before we can verify this spot and block it off on your calendar, I would have no users. It's a scalability hands. issue. Yeah. Absolutely right. And they say Lightning Network is going to help fix that problem. Um, I mean, everything about the, not everything about the payment card industry right now, I mean, look at, you know, I can take my iPhone 10 and, you know, tap it on something and pay, bam, right. I don't even have to get my card. It'll on. happen. It, it, it will. There, so what will happen is, is, is it won't be Bitcoin that actually is probably your day-to-day -day currency. It's going to be like your savings account. Sure. But then what would be the point of Bitcoin? You use something else. Well, you are going to use something else. You're going to use something else for your day-to-day -day transactions. But that's but that's where I wonder if that if it, if the answer is Bitcoin Cash or Litecoin or nope. whatever I don't it think is, any one of those. Then, then fact, what would be the point of Bitcoin anymore? Store value because it's first adopter. It's where all the money, the value is being held. I mean, you could put it in something else. Um, well, part of what we discussed, you know, previously is the fact that, you know, Bitcoin being the centralized currency, like you've got to trade in, in most of these exchanges, you have to trade in and out of Bitcoin. Right. And, you know, for example, you know, one of the exchanges we talked about before, Binance has their own coin, which they're charging you fees in that. Like there's some built in demand and some stuff like that. Part of the fascination that Mr. Watson and I have is, you know, which of these coins are actually in use? Like what's actually being used and being I would say dash is probably the most used that i've seen i was i was with uh ryan the ceo of dash and, and where is it being used um they're believe it or not it's being heavily used in the uh cannabis industry okay um which makes sense is a transaction they aren't allowed to they're unbanked right they're unbanked, so right and uh and and so you you have a lot of movement towards that industry um uh, the downfall with that 
is is that I see is is a little bit is it it's obviously trackable, and that's one thing. Everybody originally blockchain Bitcoin was all well, it's autonomous, anonymous, and blah blah blah. Well, actually, no, it's not. It's actually more transparent than any than cash transactions or any other types of if you know somebody's wallet address you can see track it everything every time it yeah, if i want to if i want to give you a grand in cash right MIT now came there's, out, so there's no record of every that. mit yeah. came out said they could track they could they could back into every single person uh who owns a wallet and who they are um there's a mathematical algorithm that does that and if you actually look at what the irs did they're doing the same thing they actually have a company that's all that they do is track back wallets well if they track my wallet i'm gonna get a write-off after the last <laughs> couple of weeks in, in crypto because i think uh, so so I, the thing is you've got you've got uh, the thing you've got coming on should down i just publish is, that address might as well just send it to the irs hey, you, you know what you know what i heard from my, yeah. my tax guy um who's very big on the speaking tour in the same space is he said there's no no laws on exactly what value or what exchange you have to go off of on your BTC. You just have to say a BTC. So my in is a, is the Korean exchanges and my out is the GDAX. <laughs> so so it's like okay, I, I bought I bought twenty thousand dollars worth of Bitcoin because that's what it was on the G, on the Korean exchange and I sold it on GDAX for twelve thousand dollars. I took a loss, <laughs> you know. And as long as you're ledgering what you do. He goes, until there's actually clarification, because it's a written ledger um, that you have to submit with it. He goes, use the, there's 7,000 exchanges. Use the exchanges that are most advantageous for what you're doing. So so let's go back to health, to health splash yeah. again. So, Sorry, I totally get yeah, I love this whole community, this you, whole blockchain community. It's been really interesting. I mean, I think it's good, you know, like we said, we're trying to bring a little light to the people that are listening. I think everyone's heard about blockchain, Bitcoin, and all this stuff. And then so many people, went, that's it. That's where the knowledge and, and everything ends. So. so so your guys' uh, platform to date, um, and then you've got a new platform, you said it's coming out in February. So is it the same product? You're going to migrate everybody from like this old, yeah, old the, platform yep, to the new all platform? All the new customers. We have uh, hundreds of thousands of doctors, and, or sorry, hundreds of thousands of customers and doctors on the platform. It's all migrating to the new platform. Portions of that platform, we have a new mobile app that's going to be launching in Chicago um, with the ability of a Find Doctor feature and the ability that we're going to add the ability to do USD credit card and or crypto payments for telehealth solutions. Um, our technology is the fastest um, video streaming technology in the world. And uh, and we are going to use that technology to uh, deliver telehealth worldwide for remote. Then we're going to add biometric data, medical records and everything else. There's other companies out there right now building medical record type blockchain technologies. One of us is going to win, but what's really nice is it can be us and it could be them, but at the end of the day, we want them on our platform. So it, because of the way we're building the system as an open open platform, they're going to be able to, to connect with us because they're taking data and not actually doing anything with it. It's just creating another silo where when they integrate that information with the platform, now it's actually going to be utilized by the physicians, the hospitals, the payers, the, you know, everybody that actually needs that information along with you. So I have, a, I have a question. So I'm going to, I'm going to cash in my $8 worth of Tron tokens <laughs> and I'm going to check out splashtoken.io. Am I buying like, Am I buying value in your company or am I buying exchangeable tokens when I participate in your particular ICO? So we are actually one of the first true utility tokens because of the way we're designed and what we're doing. 
And um, you are actually buying into a, a future exchange. And the way that the network works, if you go to splashtoken.io, you can actually see our vision, also our, our technology video, which will show you how the community will work within one another. And the thought process and what we are developing is we're taking the tools that we've been doing. We have 59 workflows, and there's 10 billion workflows that need to be built just in the United States. Taking the tools that we've used to build those 59 workflows, and we're going to give the tools back to the community. There's just no way for us to keep up. Then the people that what is most matters most to you, what we would call your, your why, what is most important to you in your healthcare, you can turn around and take those tools and build whatever it is that you feel is important to you and use it. And you'll pay a transfer. So when you say you, and I'm, I mean, you're talking like a healthcare provider or no. me as an individual? You as an individual. Say, for instance, you, um, I wear a Fitbit or an Apple Watch and or Lilo X. I don't know if you've seen the new, uh, he, sorry, Hilo LX, which is a new, they're coming out in 2019 with a uh, blood glucose monitoring watch. I want that along with my oxygen levels. Have you, are you familiar with like uh, Zapper or If Then Then This? Type Zapier. Of, Zapier. Yep. Uh-huh. Right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Imagine that as Health Splash. Okay. But the difference is instead of Zapier being the one who publishes it, it's you are integrating with it. They're integrating. And then you as a end user can go in and, and mash technologies together and control all that data yourself. That literally just lifted the clouds off of that definition, like the Zapier reference. Right. Like as to what they do. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and, and, we're sorry, saying, and it's we're, sorry, yeah. sorry to jump in there, but I think that that's actually a great example because. There's 10 million software platforms that all want to connect to each other right. and what they do, enabling other things to connect, connect to other things and do it quickly and more and more reasonably do it easily. Right. So you, you, know? so you but so from your definition, you can help connect those things, but you also want to store the data, too. Right? Well, we want to store the data in a DAO, a decentralized autonomous organization, where because the issue is, is like I was with the chief op- a chief uh, chief of staff for United Healthcare for at a retreat. And we were talking about um, and also the director of Humana. And we were talking about they all have a lot of solutions that they could they could launch. They have the technology that they could launch to do these types of things. The issue is the industry will not attach to a company. The provider is not going to attach to United Healthcare Technology. Humana is not going to attach to, attach to United Healthcare Technology, and the governments won't attach to them. And the main reason why is because nobody wants to be locked down by one particular company because they don't want one particular company to have all the control. Where blockchain comes in and a distributed autonomous organization comes in play is you once you create that infrastructure system that everybody's connecting to, no one owns it. No one controls it. It's controlled and managed and monitored and built by the community. Right. And that's the first time until blockchain is the first time that that was uh, even had the opportunity to happen. Yeah. So, so does your platform have to operate on a peer to peer network similar to the other things? Is that where Ethereum comes into? Yeah. Uh, well, we're, we're using Ethereum because of the liquidity purposes on the tokenization because we are launching a currency in the way of paying for a transaction to begin with is our first utility because smart contracts are dumb right now and they can't actually do what we need them to do and we're having to wait for the technology to catch up which it will um and uh um but um we are absolutely focused on proof of stake so if ethereum doesn't move to a proof of stake model which 
they will. Vitalik came out and said, we're going to give all this money to the first group that comes up with a scalability and a proof of stake model because they understand that that's where it has to go. What does proof of, proof of stake mean? Proof of stake is the um, proof of work is basically it's a lottery, right? You have an algorithm, you have all these miners and they're validating transaction. Whoever gets done first gets paid. All other usage is waste. Um, if you control 51% of the network, you could technically control the ledger. And so proof of work is a basically in theory that no one will own 51% of the computing power. So therefore it can never be uh, modified. Proof of stake is completely different. And, and again, I, I'm probably not the best to speak about this because our engineers are, are I'm the evangelist and visionary of where we want to go. Not necessarily the engineer of how to build it. You have 10 times the technology background that I do, Matt. Um, but um, proof of stake, basically the concept is that you have a hold or a stake inside of the immutability of the data. So the we are we actually are going to build a proof of, building a proof of stake with a, what we call a web of trust, and those two things combined basically mean how many transactions do you do, how much do you have inside of say the token or the coin, um, how much data are you holding, um, how long have you been on the system, and all of those things. The more active you are, the more you hold, the more you have to lose, the heavier weight you are into the actual system. And then you get your part of in, in of validating the transactions. And so it's not all about just owning so much coin or token, but it's all of those things combined. Because if you hack the system, it actually is going to hurt you. It's like cutting off your own finger. Why would you do that? It would hurt. So the theory is with proof of stake is that you put the people that are actually validating the networks are actually have a stake in the network. There, there's, there's a reason. They're not just calculating some math problem that maybe they'll win, maybe they won't. And on top of that, proof of stake, all energy used to calculate and validate is used. There is no wasted energy. Right. That's which, the biggest problem. Which is, which, which is a huge issue with proof right. of work. So it's more efficient, it's faster, and the people that are validating have a stake in it staying valid. If they were to destroy it, it would actually hurt them. So that's a lot to take in. I'm, are you more or less confused? I'm I'm hoping that tonight my wife has proof of stake the when concept. I get home for dinner. That's what I'm working on right now. Here's a simple concept. <laughs> that's the proof of stake that really makes the most sense to me. I mean, and for Here's, those for those of you that haven't met, I'm six four two fifty. I've proved that I've eaten a lot of steak along the way too. So, so let me let me let me break it down really let me break it down really really simple for you. Imagine every bank in the country, You, if you had the, enough time and you controlled enough power that you could break into it. Sure. Okay, fantastic, yeah. right? If I wasn't going to get in trouble, that's a great option. But now imagine that the three of us own a safe. And the three of us can have as much time as we want to break into our own safe and steal our own stuff. Would you do that? And why? I don't know. Is it Watson's safe or mine? <laughs> Are there, are, are there Satoshis in the state? <laughs> no, there's Bitcoin. <laughs> All right, so a couple things for the listeners. Actual there's going to be an online vocabulary quiz on startuphustle.xyz um, soon, and I'm expecting to fail. Are you? No. You're not. No, you, I got you, this. You, you've totally, I got this, you have yeah. totally taken all of I this in. This, yeah. Okay, I'd like the proof of stake behind those transactions <laughs> in your head. I'll, I'll send you a picture of a Satoshi. Uh, 
wait, is that a Mario Kart? <laughs> it might be. Is that, is that what Satoshi's are? Are they the little coins that Mario's been collecting? I yes. think so. That's yeah. it. I've yes. been mining Bitcoin since I was like eight. Yes. <laughs> Me too. Unbelievable. Let's watch out for the banana. It's an unbelievable how many coins I left on the table on my way to never <laughs> saving the work. princess. Yeah, that's amazing. Um, it, it was kind of funny. You, you mentioned that. I, I saw a thing online that people were posting what they had previously purchased with a Bitcoin. They're like, this is my uh, $15,000 pizza. (laughs) And I gave the driver a $7,500 tip (laughs) because they used it, you know, like 2012 or whatever. I mean, this is... I have a a CEO. One of our CEOs uh, bought a uh, a, a monitor for one of our uh, chief of staff. And I don't know exactly how much that cost. Uh... I want to say, I mean, I think it was like seven or eight hundred dollars. So Watson, Watson like found Watson found half a Bitcoin that he forgot he had when it was how much was it like? When it was right grand. at twenty grand. Yeah, I was like, wow, that's like finding a, a used Honda. Set. That's worth like five grand now. But yeah, yeah. Well, it, no, it was worth seven, five, seven, nine, fifteen, seven, and that was in the last half hour, probably. Yeah. So, okay, a couple of things here. And how much are you guys trying to raise through your initial coin offering? Because, you know, we met, we were talking about that a little before we hit record, and it's a pretty uh, big number. It's pretty impressive. Yeah, yeah. So we are raising, um, it's, it's pretty impressive. So we have several million dollars in this project that we've personally, my founder and I, co-founder and I have put in. Um, we want to make sure that our minimum viable product, our beta, and, you know, our vision, our technology, everything was completely lined out. We knew exactly what we needed to do with our roadmaps and execute. Um, now we are doing our pre-SAFT round. It actually launches today. Um, Your pre-what? Uh, it's called a it's called a SAFT. It's called a Simple Agreement for Future Tokens. Very similar mm. to this. Oh, I guess safe. Oh, wow. safe. Right. Okay. okay. And uh, <laughs> learn something new. I didn't know that in the vocabulary. Did, that's either. a new one. That, yep. That's a good one. A SAFT. We're going to need a vocabulary page. On yeah. Okay. So. Simple Agreement for Future Tokens. If you're not familiar with it, it's like a safe. Simple yep. Agreement for Future Equity. Um, I'm a big fan of the safe. It's uh, me too. I've done several of them. I love them. It's a really easy uh, tool. Same thing, same concept. Um, uh, and we actually got that at our PPMs and uh, private and placement. PPMs are? Private placement memorandum. And, uh, man, I'm just full. Big, big vocab. I'm just full of these. Uh, so, anyway, we got those today. Um, we are sending a, sending a message out to our, our colleagues and friends. Um, and then on next Tuesday, we'll be launching it on our website, splashtoken.io. And that's um, available for accredited, accredited investors. investors only. Yeah, yeah. Okay. we actually have to verify investor. You have to send in a document from your attorney or CPA that you're an accredited investor. And um, we're raising $25 million on this SAFT round. Um, and then we will be launching our pre-ICO, um, probably it looks like in, in Q2, and then our ICO to follow right after that. What forms of payment do you take for your tokens? US, US, US dollars? Bitcoin, okay. Litecoin, Bitcoin Cash, and Ethereum. Everything so not, you can not, find in your not straight base. cash, homie, huh? <laughs> Do you take uh, tethered dollars? <laughs> yeah. the, the most stable of all cryptocurrencies. Yeah, uh, yeah it's somehow it's supposed to be one to one, and it goes up and down. I'm not. Sure. We're not sure how that works. So, <laughs> one, one, one last question I have for you is: so you guys have this platform. Obviously, you have users and customers, all that stuff today. So, as a you, as an individual, myself as a consumer, would my data be in your system? Your data would be on your system. Because but, it's in your personal blockchain. But I mean, today. Today, today, yes. like is, today, absolutely. So, so how are people using your system today? So, right now, we have uh, up until now, we have had zero 
consumer interaction with the front inside of our system. We have been 100% focused on clinician and clinical. Um, because if the clinicians and, uh, do not buy into the use and the ease of use yeah, of the system, what's the point, right? then what's the point? Yeah. So now we have hundreds of doctors on a weekly basis coming onto the platform and demanding to be on the platform. Because so how, does, how do they get on the platform, though? Is that from integrations you have with, like, other EMR Correct. programs? Yep. And, or like and how we have about 40 to 50 telehealth networks on our platform too. Um, uh, we are very, very good at that side of it because of putting protocols in the telehealth space, um, which is why we're working with local governments and so forth on, on how to handle their telehealth uh, legislation and laws. So what does telehealth mean? Tel- telehealth is basically the ability to do a video consultation with your doctor. Okay. Um, the major issue in the industry right now. I think that's something that's going to be pretty prevalent as the bandwidth can support, you know, uh, the, these HD things. That was one of the things in Kansas City that people were excited about Google Fiber coming here, right. that, you know, a poor country in Africa could see a doctor potentially or this or that. So Absolutely. That's, that's interesting. And we own the technology that delivers the fastest video streaming in the world. So, um, um, and so, I mean, one of the largest companies in the, in the world just put 3 million securities cameras, public security cameras on our network. So that's outside of the healthcare system, but it's still the same technology. So we're, we're going to deliver the ability to do telehealth directly from your cell phone or from your computer. We even have the ability to do it strictly through, I mean, we, we could add it right. And, through the, and that's where, and that's where the to- pay, payment through token could also occur. Cause it cross, cross borders. Okay. Yep. Absolutely. Very interesting. So if I get in on this ICO and I buy like a thousand dollars worth of tokens, the day it goes live on Binance or something, I'll be like a billionaire. Right. No, I, I, we can't, it's nothing like that. Is that not, is that, is that gonna be like Tron? Okay, like, let me go ahead and just take care of this for you, Brad. I don't think we're allowed to talk about that. Um, I think we should probably mention for our own good here that uh, investing in cryptocurrency is very volatile. <laughs> it's a decision that you make. You should be willing and able to sustain the violent swings that occur up and down. Um, I'm not saying anything about what you guys are doing, but you know, it is, it is still something that's in its, it's, I don't want to say infancy. I'd say it's in its adolescence. Is that fair? Oh, absolutely. What I'm saying is if Tron is worth 9 billion, their company has to be worth 9 billion and one. That's Possibly. And, and the thing that we know is the moment it is listed on Coinbase or Binance or one of those other ones that it's going to instantly go up nine times in value yeah. for no true fundamental reason other than access. Um, I'd like to challenge you to uh, rock, paper, scissors for one Satoshi. For one Satoshi? I'm not even sure we can transfer one Satoshi. I think, that's I think the penny. network... Be- <laughs> Hey, look! It, it, I'll take I'll take dude, this bet is, from you, less than a penny. You said that about the hey, Bitcoin. I, I bought that life you, for one Satoshi, so I think you can do it. You <laughs> forgot about that. Isn't that the one that is giving it away for free if you say something about it on yeah. Facebook or something yeah. like that? Like, yeah. Please check out our Facebook feed so we can learn. <laughs> we can earn some life token. All right, you ready? Yeah. Yes. Every time. I think you said one one Bitcoin, didn't you? No, 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 no. No, no, I lost one. I think the Honda Civic just came back. Because we're in this show for the long term, (laughs) I'm going to cold store this single Satoshi. (laughs) And whenever the last episode comes, I'm going to cash it out. I'm probably going to get a jet. Hey, make sure you get taxed. Pay taxes. (laughs) Ledger that. Thanks, Brett. Thanks, Brett. We're, I'm, I already told you I'm sending my wallet ID straight to the IRS so I can have more shit to write off. I don't think any of our listeners even know what a Satoshi is. They do after the last episode. <laughs> <laughs> so on a side note, um, 
Brad, are you willing to answer our listener questions on the Facebook Hustle chat? Sure. You would? Yeah, absolutely. Because okay, I'm going to probably lead the charge. Um, even though, questions? Yes. <laughs> yeah. I, I, yeah. I'm going to. Here's the thing is, is, and I don't think our listeners know this. I'm the one that produces the episode. So I will listen to this again <laughs> and maybe take notes. You know, it's really fun. So I love this whole space. I've been in it 2012, 2013. And, um, the, and as you can tell, I can easily get sidetracked even away from healthcare when he com- comes to talk about just the blockchain and yeah. just in fun. So we have a whole other outlet called Merkle Institute. Me and another buddy uh, who's the CEO of Andrew Reese, he wrote his first white paper to a communications company, cell phone company, to in 2014 to accept Bitcoin. And he actually talks to them all the time. And he goes, uh, he goes to the C- CFO the other day. He's like, so uh, that wouldn't have been a, such a bad idea back in the day. It's in 2014 to start accepting Bitcoin. Look at what you would have had now. And, uh, but anyway, we absolutely love uh, this whole space. And so we have Merkle Institute, which is a, a YouTube channel that we are just launching this week. And the whole goal is like we had um, Jeff used to be the COO of the Archer Foundation. Now he owns Happy, uh, Happy Foods come in. And the whole, the whole goal that we have is probably similar to what you guys are doing with your podcast. We're trying to do on, on uh, YouTube, which is take the crypto geeks all the way to the consumer, to the enterprise solution, and everybody in between, because their whole business is working with Fortune 1000s, and break it down into a simple to understand uh, use cases, and then really talk about how and where we think the industry is going to move, the community is going to move, because the predictions that we've been making for the last 18 months has all happened. Like, for instance, we knew for a fact that Ethereum was going to crash. We didn't know when. We thought it would actually be this summer. But... Thank you to Crypto Kitties. Uh, they they knocked it out, and then Tron. and then they said then they turned around and said now we're going to come out with these side chains, which we called private chains a year ago. So like we we knew that stuff was going to happen. Um, and then at the end of the day, I was talking to Ryan Dirks, who is head of the Meetup Blockchain uh, community here in Kansas City. And I was talking to him, and I said the one thing that you need to understand right now, absolutely, the theories and the intellectual concepts that are being created right now by the community is literally rivaling things that we've never seen before. But the problem is we now have to execute on those theories and those concepts. It's a popular topic in this, uh, on this podcast. Well, I think that we're going to need to have you back in a little further down the road to visit the whole, uh, life cycle of what you have going on. We've also got to make sure Watson doesn't steal my Satoshi. And I think it's amazing. They're based here in Kansas City. I do too. So, and, uh, you know, right K- down the street, we're on uh, college in Metcalf. Yeah. K- K- and, and I'm not sure if you're aware of this. We've actually had at last check had listeners in 46 different countries. Oh, wow. Uh, been very interesting in that regard. So yeah, a little Casey, go Casey, yeah. Casey proud there. Um, I do want to go ahead and put this on the audio blockchain known as the Startup Hustle podcast. When my single Satoshi appreciates to the point where I can buy that mini horse that I promised you, <laughs> that is what it will be dedicated All for. All right. Okay. Hey, Brett, thanks for coming by. Um, make sure you visit the startup hustle chat on Facebook where after Brett is done answering all 600 of my questions, hopefully he'll be kind enough to answer yours as well. And you might want to hurry up and get those questions together because the way Watson's looking at me indicates that he's got another 600 too. 
Well, and be sure to uh, check out his ICO, right? At yeah. splashtoken.io. And if you have any questions for us, uh, we're on multiple platforms from Telegram to Facebook to YouTube, um, at LinkedIn. And our communications director, Kelly Bugler, handles a lot of that, especially while I'm traveling uh, all over the world speaking at different events. All right. Well, thank you, Brett. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. See you next time, everybody. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Startup Hustle with Matt DeCarsi and Matt Watson. For more great content and to stay up to date, visit startuphustle.xyz. And if you enjoyed today's episode, please rate and subscribe. And we'll catch you next time on Startup Hustle.